Hey, man, you never know when something funny might be said. CatsCorner.com podcast, CatsCorner.com, your source for Virginia sports. I am Brad Franklin, publisher of CatsCorner.com, coming to you live from the palatial Franklin States in the west end of Richmond, where it is Wednesday, November the 17th, uh, on the gridiron, the Cavaliers coming off of a, um, I don't, I, disappointing seems weird because, you know, without Brendan Armstrong, you kind of thought that thing might go a little bit the way it went, um, but anyway, a loss nonetheless uh, to Notre Dame, uh, 28-3 to um, on the Hardwood, the Cavaliers coming off of a very disappointing loss uh, down in Houston, 67-47 last night. We're going to get into all of that probably in reverse. Um, I don't know why I didn't start out that way, but you know what? Hey, it's a it's a it's an audio medium, so just uh, you'll be all right. Let's go around and introduce everybody before we get started. Up in Fishersville, David Spence is back on the show. How's it going, my friend? So excited to be here, man. Um, <laughs> I was thinking today, and then Ferber can probably correct me, but we've been doing this podcast like almost ten years now. And I, I don't know of another time where the at this point, you know, multiple games into the basketball season where the football team had a better winning percentage than the basketball team, except for maybe 12, 13. Um, and I'm not even sure then. So it's a weird time. So who days on the board at who days on Twitter? And uh, I've been loud and staff writer Justin Ferber, also on the program. What's going on, my dude? Thanks for having me on, Ben. Um, wow. Harsh. Oh, it's Brad. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, uh, no, yeah, uh, Dave, I haven't crunched those numbers yet, but let me see if I can't get back to you on that. <laughs> Figured um, you would. Yeah, I feel like, well, last year, last year UVA basketball, I guess they didn't start until pretty late, but I'll, I'll work on it. You know what? I'll work on it. At Justin underscore Ferber on Twitter. And uh, managing editor Damon Dillman and Charles was also back on the show. How's it going, Damon? How are you? I'm crunching the numbers in my head right now. Uh, <laughs> they were, what, four and six with two games to go? Going into the Carolina Thursday night game in 2012. Yeah, uh, it, I was just, thinking maybe last year because UVA was like one and one to start they, the year. They, but the football uh, team was below 500 by now. And this is their first one and two start since uh, the Mike Toby, Justin Anderson, 2012-13, when those guys were season. freshmen. Yeah, so you'd have to go back. To, and I don't think so, the football team won, but like two games that year. So no, 2012 was the they were four and six going into the Carolina Thursday okay, night okay. game. Because uh, remember <laughs> they had uh, they came back from the bye, just rolled at NC State, which came out of nowhere, uh, and then had that shootout with Miami when Rocco threw for five touchdowns, threw the touchdown to Heath Miller, so that got him to four and six. And it was, I think uh, you mean Jake McGee, but same thing. Yeah, sorry, Jake McGee. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> same, same guy. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway. Uh, uh, yeah, but anyway. So, yeah, that got him to four and six, right? Going into the Thursday night Carolina game, and then Darius Jennings dropped the pass. And uh, who? Giovanni Bernard went off in that game, I believe. Quinshot Davis. Quinshot Davis, yes. So, anyway, that that would be – I don't know what the dates would be and how it would match up compare, compared to this season, but – that's as best I recall, because they started one and two that year in basketball as well. Yep. I'm working on it. <laughs> <laughs> At Damon Dillman. There it is. I, I, I like how I, I wait, and Damon eventually catches the net. Uh, Cast Corner also under Cavs underscore Corner. Great place for the in-game updates, content items, and the occasional Woody banter. All right, let's let's start with basketball real quick. Um, Dave said he didn't want to talk about it much, so I, I try to listen when Dave speaks. 67-47 down in Houston. Um, I mean, you know, what's the little girl say in Remember the Titans? He's just getting beat like he stole something. Um, you know, I, I, early on in the game, uh, I, I texted a friend of mine, and I was like, this this is this is not going to go well. And mainly because it, it was pretty apparent pretty quick that Houston was just much more physical. Um, Virginia's just not in a place right now to play that type of game 
in that type of setting with against not just a, a physical team but a talented team. I mean, they shot fifty five percent from three. Um, you know, they're fifty percent from the floor basically. Um, Virginia giving up, you know, just turnovers, just hemorrhaging them left and right, and you know, Houston was good on the boards. It was a, it, you know, it was an all around sort of. Um, it's one of those games that sort of tells you where you are. And at one and two right now, Virginia's you know in a rough spot. Because, you know, while that game should help them down the road, it's certainly not it's not a good thing right now. And it certainly wasn't a good thing last night. Uh, Dave, in the um, in the grand scheme of things, do you feel like last night is a learning opportunity? Um, Are you a glass half full kind of person on this or was there no good that can come from a game like that? I mean, I think (laughs) there's some good to come of it. I mean, you you get to see where you got to be to be competitive. Houston's really good. Virginia's going to play teams as good, if not better, um, multiple times this year. So they've got some growing to do. And, you know, if, if anything last night reminded me of is it, I think last year's team with, you know, Hauser seeing his first action and Trey Murphy coming in as a, as a first year in the, and having a success, it kind of made me forget how, you know, how, um, you know, how often, first year struggle in Tony's system and you've got a team that's got so many dudes playing you know you got two starters who weren't here last year um, and Shedrick who's playing a much bigger role so and that's what it looked like a a team that wasn't sure of themselves weren't and look is it fixable yes I I just think the ceiling continues to where the ceiling is on this team like you know the Navy game kind of knocked it down for me and that Houston game I don't know if it knocked it down further than the Navy one it's just yeah it's it's going to be a long year um if they can't figure out a way to score from the outside and, and open up the you know you know and open up drop opportunities for the guys on the on the team who kind of need that to to flourish but yeah I mean I don't think I expect them to get better I just don't know how much better they can get as assembled right now for what do you think yeah, I mean, I don't disagree with any of that, really. I think um, – I definitely think there's some good that comes out of it. Um, I think Houston is like a bona fide Final Four type team, like from what I saw last night. I mean, and considering what they did last year, that's a really well-coached team. They have an identity. They play hard. Um, they can shoot. They can do a lot of things. So I think they're going to be good. Um you know, you also get a good road game. There's a reason this game got scheduled, right? I mean, they wanted to kind of see what they could do early in the season. I think the Navy game sort of blunted the edge of this wound or like this knife <laughs> um, because, you know, we kind of knew going into this one that UVA wasn't like elite, you know, that that, that the idea of that was kind of taken off the table in that first game. Um, and, and I thought they did better, you know, on Friday against Radford, but I don't think that it was like a dominant performance or anything. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think that they're a work in progress. I do think that they will improve that Tony seems always seem to improve. Um, I would say that this team, I don't know if they'll necessarily be made up the same way where they have to win 50 to 48. Um, but I think you're kind of looking at it like the 2020 team that got their season ended by COVID sort of ceiling where it's like, hey, maybe they can string a bunch of wins together by just aggravating teams and taking care of business against bad ACC teams and maybe pulling out a bunch of close ones. Um, But they're probably not going to compete really for a national title um, as assembled. And, yeah, I mean, you can kind of see, too, I think that there's some growing pains with guys in different roles and guys that are brand new to the system. Um, But you also see, like, there's not – I don't think you have anybody right now that can take a game over against most ACC level teams. So um, they're going to have to all, you know, be pulling on the rope and kind of play together and, and hopefully pick each other up because otherwise it's going to be a long season. And I do think that, um, you know, like the next few weeks, I don't necessarily think that things are going to get a lot better in terms of wins and losses. Cause you know, they should be able to take care of cop and state obviously on Friday um, but then next week they have, you know, probably two tough games. So, um, and then you have the ACC big 10 challenge. I mean, I mean, I think that they're going to, they're probably going to come out of non-conference play with four losses or more. So um, they'll have to, I mean, they're going to be fighting for their tournament lives in ACC play probably, but um, I trust Tony to at least improve them. I just don't know if that's, if that means they're going to be improving to a bubble team or better 
or maybe they improve, but they still, you know, are like a 500 sort of team. Yeah, Damon, I kind of, I kind of have been thinking about this since the the Navy loss, which is that, in essence, you know, as Virginia fans, folks, observers, whatever, you know, you you get used to seeing what you think you're going to see, and what I mean by that is, is that like very rarely has Virginia ever really like immediately not been up to those expectations. Now, maybe not in totality, right? Um, but it, it, it's certainly aspects of it. I, this team's defensively is not where I expected they would probably be. Uh, offensively, not where even, you know, even as bad as uh, even, even considering where I thought they might be, they're not there yet. Um, and then individually, I'm still not seeing a whole lot of, of what I expected to see. And I imagine that for a lot of Virginia fans, this is really tough because, you know, it, it, this is not something that happens, right? It's one thing to lose some games. It's another thing to like not look like, uh, yourself or what you expected to look like um in terms of you know Ferber just made a point about like it's not you know it's probably not going to look a lot better um here in the short term do you agree with that do you feel like they're in a spot right now where it's going to take a longer sort of um you know it's going to take a lot more runway to get this thing off the ground or do you feel like there's a, a shorter uh time frame in terms of them sort of maybe putting it together well, this it's it's well, for one thing, to your point about fans and the bar has just been set so high, obviously, with this program that any sort of stumble is kind of jarring to the system, especially any sort of stumble out of the gate like this, even even uh, coming off the national title. They weren't remember the Syracuse game. They didn't score a whole lot, but they still won that game. What, I, what Syracuse did Syracuse scored in the 30s in that game. But, but anyway, I've been thinking about this a lot today. Um, I do think it's going to take a while. And I, I, the, what I've been thinking about is this is just, I mean, I wasn't here. I was still in Harrisonburg for Tony's first two teams. So my frame of reference for all this begins in year three when Malcolm was a freshman, when Joe was a sophomore. Uh, so I, those first two years, I don't have uh, nearly the same kind of perspective on, but from my perspective, this is such a unique Tony Bennett team in that even when there were teams that were sort of quote rebuilding teams or reloading teams like 2016, 17, when, when Kyle guy and Ty Jerome were freshmen, or I go back to the 2012, 13 season we were talking about at the top when guys like Mike Toby, Justin Anderson, Evan Nolte were freshmen. Um, this team isn't like those. This th- those teams at least were breaking in young guys in big roles and continued to break them in as the season went on. And maybe we will see that. We've seen it a little bit with Carson McCorkle. We've seen it a little bit with T- Tane Murray. Not so much with Milicic. But this team just it, the, there was always the pipeline in the program. There was always another class that had been in the program for two three years that was ready to step into bigger roles. And this team doesn't like it, it doesn't have that to the same degree. It has the two, it almost has like Armand Franklin in the role of Casey Morsell and who he was supposed to be. And Jaden Gardner, maybe not quite as the same example, but it, it, in the role of maybe Justin McCoy. And it's just, it's just so strange to see a program that, and this is just how this is just how it works in college basketball now. The guys are going to leave and new guys are going to come in and it's just kind of like that. And it's also, I think, kind of a product of um, some recruiting missteps, some recruiting misses uh, and just an overall talent deficiency as a result. Um, you think back about coming off the coming off the national championship and Cody Statman, Badoki, those guys were on that team. They still haven't really developed into more than just guys off the bench. At this point, other guys have left. Marcel has left. McCoy has left. Abdul Rahim has left. Uh, but Doki and Anthony never pound out. Those guys washed out. Um, they wouldn't still be here anyway, would they? I don't know. They wouldn't be here anyway. But still, I think that, that that's a symptom of a bigger. I just this this is a unique spot for a Tony Bennett team, especially since the run really began in 13, 14 to be in where you're almost like, wait, it almost feels like they're just playing this year and waiting for next year um, to see when when that recruiting class gets here. And so, yeah, I think it's going to take a lot of work. And I mean, let's be honest, 
everybody was pretty on it. Williford was blunt about it. The other coaches were blunt about it, that this was going to be a work in progress. They, they were honest about that at the outset. I don't know if anybody expected it to be to this degree, but it's going to, yeah, it's going to take some things. And I agree with what everybody said about Tony and this staff will figure out a way to fix things, but still that the ceiling probably is not too terribly high this year. I think three games in, we've already gotten kind of a sense of that. So, and if, if it does turn out to be a special season that it might be Tony's best coaching job, but we'll see, we'll see how it goes. Yeah. I mean, I think as you look around your point about sort of the way things have stacked up and the different, you know, exits and entrances and such, I mean, this team is more traditional UVA in a variety of ways and also still not, I mean, not having guards who can really score is it's 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 hard for me to sort of like reconcile right um you know Kihei Clark and and Reese Beekman individually with another guard who compliments them you could just see how how they would really excel in those situations I think together you know it I don't know if you can say it's always going to be what it is but it certainly does feel like it's always going to be what it is now Franklin was supposed to sort of come in and be that that scoring guy if nothing else to get in the lane I haven't seen nearly as much of him off the bounce as I thought I would I thought there would be a lot more slashing a lot more um you know him doing sort of not necessarily and this says some, somewhat unfair but sort of Malcolm Brogdon sort of stuff right getting to the cup um you know uh a lot more um you know a lot more stuff going to the basket getting feet in the lane um part of this too though is and Dave has been harking on this the entire season is the screening like when you watch this team I was about to interject <laughs> yeah the screening has just not been anywhere remotely close to what we're accustomed and it's not because they don't have pieces that should be able to screen um i, I don't know if there's I, i'm not even sure how to diagnose it dave how talk talk to talk to the people about you know, commiserate <laughs> if you will with your you know your frustration and your pain on uh on the the lack of screens i mean it's kind of mind-boggling man because you know it if you look at the way this team's assembled, you you know they don't have a strong outside presence. Um, but you've got two guys in Shedrick and Gardner who, for once, you know, compared to last year's team, you got two bigs who don't need the ball outside to do their thing, right? They're guys who can play out of the post, which, look, you know, Jake could do it at times, but he got out physical. I thought Hauser could do it at times to get smaller guys. But um, Gardner and Shedrick should be able to make a living off the post, which means they should be more willing screeners because of the way the block remover works, like when they screen, they get a post after the guy runs through, they can post up. Um, but it seems to me like, I think I joked with you guys, like if I went back and watched the entire Navy game and the entire game last night, I mean, those guys would be batting at the Mendoza lawn when it comes to act, you know, setting a good screen. Um, it doesn't mean not going to do down, but it's just, they're so, it, it seems like they're in such a hurry to pivot out of the screen and get in the post that, you know, they don't quite understand that the screen is what gets them free in the post ultimately. Um, and if they can't set that, you know, last night the offense, you know, was stagnant most of the game, save for maybe a three or four minute stretch when oddly they had Cody and Tane on the floor at the same time um, and kind of went away from blocker mover. So, you know, you know, assuming we're not trading for anyone and this is the roster we're working with, um, that simple thing, like, you, know, look, you cut down turnovers. I mean, I don't want to. I mean, we're talking like the team is absolutely trash can juice. Like they're they will they will get better. Like last night, if they don't turn the ball over seventeen times or whatever it was, even if they make twenty five percent of those shots, it's a more respectable game. Um, and you know, if they got better shots because of better screens, then that percentage comes up some. So there's things they can improve that will make their, you know, the limitations we kind of have with this roster not as drastic as, as you saw last night. But um, it, it's just – it is really weird to see a Tony team granted, as, as I said earlier, granted a, two guys in Franklin and, and Gardner who've never played in this system under Tony and Shedrick, a guy who's kind of seen his role expand after, you know, kind of extended about with Mono. So there's some development you can see, but – just simple things and I'm sure that's all Tony's going to be hard you know protect the ball and set screen I feel like one of the biggest problems with the turnovers is like um especially last night is just like getting in bad spots um 
like Gardner had a few where he would like dribble into a spot and then pick his dribble up. And then he would just be in like a terrible position um, on the floor, like a position where he could easily get trapped. There's really nobody to outlet the ball to. And then you're forced to make like a low percentage pass, which either gets picked off or goes out of bounds or skips across the court, um, whatever it is. And that ended up creating a lot of the turnovers. And you saw that with other players too. I'm not just picking on him. Um, Kihei has had a kind of a knack for doing this at times throughout his career, like dribbling into traffic and then not being able to get out of it. Um, and, and so that's something they have to clean up, but it kind of does speak to an overall problem of people trying to like force things in the offense where it's like um, the ball isn't just like moving around crisply to open guys. It's like people are trying to dribble into spots on the floor and then they don't know what to do when they get there because they're getting closed down um, and guys aren't getting open for them to, to get the ball out. So um, that's certainly an area that probably needs to be improved. And usually with better shooting on the outside, that's, that's not such a problem. <sighs> All right. One more thing on the basketball team. I feel like we should talk about one positive thing. Um, and the fact that there, that there's not a glowing positive thing other than, you know, Beekman's defense is on point. Um, you know, he seems to be taking the kind of steps that you would want him to take. Um, I still think Shedrick, you know, he has not been consistent and he has not been as productive, but there's a lot of clay there. And I know that we've, we've continued to say that. I feel like, you know, him getting sick and such at, at times last year certainly um, pulled a lot of the momentum um, that he should have at this point away. Um, but overall, I mean, I, I, I don't look at it and think that um, I, I don't look at this team and think they're going to be terrible. I just don't think they're going to be at least as, as as currently constructed and currently, you know, where they are in their development. I just don't think you can look at them and say, yeah, they're definitely going to write the ship and be one of the top three teams in the league, which is kind of the, the kind of season in season out expectation for UVA basketball. Right. Yeah. You might not be top five, top ten, but you expect to be one of the three, four best teams in the league. As of this moment, I don't think that that it's realistic to think that that's where they're going to end up. Um, can they do that? Absolutely. But what we've seen, and again, this is three games in, it's hard to it's hard to look at a map and say like, man, that's a long distance, and they're going to travel the whole way there. Um, you know, maybe they prove us wrong. I mean, the one good thing about um, the one good thing about the rotation so far, it seems like, you know, compared to early season Tony teams, right? He doesn't seem to be playing with things as much. You know, seems pretty set on like who's going to play and what roles and things. Um, I, I just, I don't know, man. I, I look at this team and I see there's a lot of talent, um, but this doesn't feel like the year that it all comes together. You can't also ignore, right, Damon, that they just signed one of the best recruiting classes uh, in the country. And it's a recruiting class that if you look at the talent, would fit pretty perfectly for what all they need right now, right? Like, um, you know, you just put McNeely on this squad and all of a sudden they're they're markedly better. Uh, Damon, I'll give you the last word on the basketball front. Uh, what's your expectation for the next, you know, couple weeks? Do you feel like they're going to take some big steps, or do you feel like we're going to see a lot of this same sort of frustrating, um, you know, stops and starts? Uh, I don't know if it'll be linear. Uh, you'd like to hope that maybe at the if you graph it all out at the end of the season, it'll it'll work its way up the hill uh, with some bumps in there. I'm sure there will be some bumps in there. Some of the teams, especially like Iowa coming up next week and all that, it's they're going to get better. I think we all agree on that. It's they haven't played a whole lot together. This is just the third game for a lot of these guys playing together. Uh, Frank on nights when Franklin is hot, who knows? They can compete with anybody on nights when Franklin struggles. The margin for error is going to shrink drastically, which I think we've seen already this year. Um, so a lot of it'll kind of ride on that, but I think some of it too, is just like, I think once Gardner settles down a little bit, gets a little bit more, I've just gotten the sense I down the stretch in the Navy game. And then you can kind of see it again last night. It almost seems like he was trying to do too much. Like I described it as trying to score four points on every possession. Um, and maybe once he settles down a little bit and gets more, uh, into the system and more comfortable with with his role as opposed to maybe trying to do too much you wonder if he's just feeling a little bit of pressure being here at UVA right now and you know needs to work that out of his system a little bit but I mean yeah they're obviously going to get better uh there's no way they can't once once this coaching staff identifies what these guys do best uh maybe Reese Beekman takes I don't know at some point he has to he take another leap at the offensive end you hope uh, knocks down shots more consistently, gets into the paint more assertively. Uh, and that would go a long way 
in in changing things up for this team. You had mentioned earlier about you know lack of a scoring guard that would go a long way in rectifying that situation. That's for sure. For sure. So you hope maybe the light bulb goes on for him a little bit. But yeah, it's. I'm sure there will be more frustrating nights. I don't know. At least in non-conference, I don't know if it'll be quite as frustrating as last night. Uh, like Tony said, that might be the best defensive team, Houston. That might be the best defensive team they see all year. Um, so, but yeah, there are going to be some frustrating nights, but I wouldn't be the least bit surprised if they're putting it together come February and, and, and March. And I don't know, 20 wins seems like a high bar right now, but we'll see what it looks like. I mean, 18, 20, 17, 18, 19 wins somewhere in that range. I wouldn't be surprised if that's where they are come March. You know who probably really likes that Houston team? Darian Atkins, because that was five <laughs> dogs, man. Yeah, they were they were a bunch of dudes on that floor, man. Yeah. And I mean, look, and I and I know that for folks who who watch, you know, I get sometimes you're not supposed to like praise opponents and stuff. Like, dude, Virginia fans would love to pull for that team, right? Like, I mean, just dogs everywhere. Guys playing hard, you know, hitting shots. You know, they. I don't know, man. I, I really I really enjoyed watching them, and I'm curious to see how they do. And that'll be a good experience for him going forward. Yeah, right? for sure. Absolutely. And, yeah. I, and I do believe that. I mean, I know I asked somebody a question about that earlier. I, I do believe that on some level, like when you get your, when you get your, your, your tail kick like that and it's, um, you know, and it's so, it's so visceral, you know what I mean? Like, you know, it does help you bust, you know, no, no team is going to, you know, is going to throw a fastball like that. You know what I mean? Um, so it'll be interesting to see, you know, how they, how they respond and how they rebound and such. Um, cause this is obviously very different than the Navy loss. I love how Dave said we were, we didn't have a lot to talk about on basketball and here we are 20 some minutes in. Um, but is, this is different. Navy was like, Oh, you weren't supposed to do that. This was like, Oh snap. You don't measure up as well as you thought you did. Um, but I mean, that's a legit top 15 team. You know what I mean? But all right, let's switch gears and go to, ba- uh, to football where, <laughs> We don't know for sure if Brendan Armstrong is going to play uh, in Pittsburgh on Saturday night, but we do know that we we weirdly hope that he does because Virginia's not the same without him. Hashtag analysis. Um, Cavaliers go down twenty eight to three to Notre Dame. Uh, the Irish roll up four hundred twenty three yards of offense, two hundred forty nine of which were on the ground. Um, it was a, I mean, in a lot of ways, it kind of went the way you thought it would go if you thought that the you know that without Armstrong. Um, you know, Virginia was going to be in a whole world of trouble. Uh, Virginia still put up with 278 yards of total offense, 196 through the air. Um, Jay Wolfolk got his first start, first true freshman to start at quarterback at UVA since 1977, Damon, right? 77, Schumacher, Schumacher, Schumacher. Correct. Um, 18 of 33, two, two interceptions, no touchdowns. He, he also ran it 16 times, but he only was credited with 15 yards. Um, I mean, overall, I, I, look, I don't. I, I think it's pretty clear that the staff thought, at least for you know some part of the week, that there was a really good chance Brendan might play, um, because what you saw in this game, at least initially, was not to to my eyes. And you guys correct me if I'm wrong here. It did not look to me like they were sure Jay was going to be the guy for two full weeks. Right? It looked to me like they at least thought Brendan was going to be the guy, and then once he wasn't, they had to kind of arrange a little bit. Um, now I'm not sure if that means that there was a chance on game day that he was going to play. Um, he comes out and he he does not look comfortable when he you know throws a couple you know it was some soft toss on the sideline, but it wasn't you know he never really he never really torqued the thing. He didn't he didn't really spin it. Um, I'm not sure you can say that he you know on game day they thought he was going to play, um, but it certainly looked to me uh, at least like early on there was at least a chance that they thought he was going to play going into it. Dave, as you look back on this thing, now that you've had some days to process it, other than the, the takeaway being, you know, Brendan Armstrong is pretty good at football. Um, <laughs> what, uh, what sticks with you from this game? I mean, is it because, because I mean, I will, I will say this, you know, Wolf, he, Jay had a lot on his plate. Um, he, he did not play extremely well, but he showed enough tools Maybe not quite like Brennan in Atlanta that time where Bryce goes down and Brennan comes out and throws a touchdown. 
Um, I mean, let's be honest though that that that's that's been mythologized. It, it, it has, but, yeah. the, but that was that, that was that was a Brooklyn. that was a slant that was <laughs> it wasn't five yards of yak. It wasn't, wasn't necessarily the, on the or, play before that. Yeah. It, yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't to me. It wasn't the result as much as it was. He did not look like the moment was too big for him. And that's the comparison yeah. I'm making here, which is I thought Jay at times, yes, he going through his progressions and things that are going to come with experience, sure. But I thought he looked, you know, he did not look like he, he you needed to pull him out and do something different. Like at no point in the game did I think, man, they might want to go to some three quarterback, you know, running stuff, right? I, I just was like, hey, let's just see what the kid can do. And he kept he kept putting enough out there that I was like, okay, yeah, you can see the tools, you can see the, you know, the stuff. But anyway, uh, Dave, gets let's get back to your your sort of. Uh, impressions takeaways in the last few days since that loss well first of all we had an outstanding tailgate it was a, we had a great time it was a, it's a wonderful tailgate despite the uh the hurricane force winds that blew during most of it um but yeah i mean as far as the game itself other than the notre dame guy in that section who i may have had words with um you always trying to get in look, fight with people gosh yeah, a little oh annoying. no i mean um, this guy this guy deserved <laughs> deserved it absolutely yeah, I mean, I, yeah. um Anyway, uh, other than that, like, look, I mean, it's about what you expect. I mean, honestly, it's probably better than I would have expected it, you know, um, to go all things considered, especially where the defense has been playing. Um, but I, look, Jay looked like a, a first time starting quarterback. And look, I've seen Notre Dame play on TV and stuff. And honestly, you know, they don't look as good as the Notre Dame teams we've seen like last year and a couple years before that. Um, but they're still really good. Um, they look really big. It looks like an NFL team. I mean, it's not USC, you know, not, it's not seeing that USC team in person, but they're a big physical team. And look, they're able to get home a lot um, because Jay, t- you know, it's going to take Jay a little longer to, to diagnose. But yeah, I think you're right. I mean, look, I mean, I don't think it's, we, we got word a few hours before tailgate that, before the game uh, kicked off that it probably going to be Jay. Um, doesn't mean that was set in stone but you know but it does sound like you're right like they were hoping all week that Brennan was going to play at some point they figured out he wasn't um but we know Jay practiced all week um because you know Brennan certainly didn't practice so it wasn't a matter of him not getting reps but the game plan looked like it was put in for Brennan um if, if there's one thing that aggravated me is that let me I thought they could have simplified things just give him one read and go or you know give him a little bit a little bit less complicated, you know, route trees to read because look, if you take an extra second against a team like Notre Dame, who doesn't need to blitz, um, you're going to get sacked. What what was it? Eight sacks or something, seven or eight sacks. Um, And they only, they only pressured him nine times. So. So they got home when they, (laughs) when they got to him, they got to him. Um, And, you know, I think Virginia ran the ball 30 times, but 16 of them were Jay, like, uh, that's kind of frustrating. And thirty, um, I mean, eight of those are sacks. So, um, so eight rush, so twenty-two rushes, basically. Yeah. <laughs> um, in a game with the first-time starting quarterback. So, look, I get you game plan for him, hoping Brennan was being there. It shouldn't take a whole lot to to change up the game plan. So, that was frustrating. But you know, Virginia fans have been frustrated with offensive game plans in the past. At least we can do a little bit this year too, I guess. Um, but the defense, you know, I thought the defense held up pretty well. Obviously, Notre Dame kind of figured out early they didn't need to score a lot of points and they played kind of conservative um but overall you know losing a guy of brennan's caliber and i don't think virginia you know i think virginia should virginia fans should be proud of the way the team held up i mean it's not pretty to be down 21 to nothing at the half but they've been down they were down 21 nothing before we got to the broadcast at byu so um i'll take that as progress and and hope that you know the extra week out week off um you know, it was cold. It would have been painful to get hit um, <laughs> Saturday. So let, let's hope it, you know, Brennan progressed and he can get back this weekend. For I'm going to go out on a limb and say that uh, in in a variety of different ways, this game kind of bored you. Um, uh, is, it, would that be accurate? I mean, this kind of this seems like exactly the kind of thing you were talking about expecting to see when we were at the tailgate. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't a fun watch just because, I mean, it wasn't like UVA got the doors blown off of them. I mean, right. they gave up like 60 points, but it never felt competitive, um, especially like once Notre Dame went up 14 nothing. Um, after, I don't know, four UVA drives, it was pretty clear that they weren't going to be able to score a lot of points. Um, 
you know, like it was, you know, just getting across the midfield felt like getting a first down kind of felt like an accomplishment in the first half. Um, and, and, you know, on the rewatch, I was more impressed with Jay than I was live. Um, just because you could, like, I was telling Dave during the game, like the biggest problem with him during the game was that he just wasn't, Brennan is very good at pre-snap reads, pre-snap identification. He knows where he wants to go with the ball. But then when he doesn't get to go there, he's very good at going to number two, number three, number four guys very, very quickly because he knows the guys, he knows the offense. He's just very good at that. Um, his numbers when blitzed are good. His numbers when under pressure are pretty good. So like he thrives when you bring extra guys and he has time to make it enough time to make a throw. Um, Jay felt like he was seeing the game a little too slow. Um, but that that's, I'm not saying that because I think he's terrible or anything. I think it's just a freshman quarterback. Like that's what you get. Um, you know, we saw the same thing. It's not apples to apples, but David Watford, when he played as a freshman, I mean, you definitely saw some of that same stuff. Um, I'm only comparing the two because we haven't seen a lot of freshman quarterbacks actually play a lot. Um, but yeah, I mean, I thought his mechanics are pretty good. He gets the ball out quick. He has good velocity on the throws. He can move around. Um, I would like to see if he has to play again this week, them kind of do. Um, and just quickly, I mean, like they might have thought that Brennan was going to play, but there's, that's no excuse. I mean, like you have to have a game plan for your quarterback that practiced all week. Um, and, and I honestly think it was probably more they thought they could just run what they normally run with him because he's the same kind of quarterback. They said that a lot. Um, and they might have simplified the playbook, like cut the number of plays down, stuff like that. But they ran a lot of the same concepts, and he just wasn't able to move the ball. Um, and I, I would kind of like to see if he has to play again, um, them kind of do what they did with Bryce Perkins the first year. And, and they did open things up a little bit in 2019, but he used to get these reads where it was like half the field. He would get like half the field. And that's what we would always complain about them never using the middle of the field. They would give him these like half the field reads where it's like, all right, you have, you look at the levels, you look at the defense, if it's not there, run. And I think that's probably what they should be doing in addition to running the ball more with running backs and Keaton, because it never really felt like they got into that. And to be quite honest with you, like I was a little frustrated early because I'd have to go back and chart it. But like it felt like all their plays on the first couple of drives were like five wide quarterback alone in the backfield. Um, and it's like you're not even trying to like give them the threat of the run. Like um, so I felt like that was a little frustrating. But and, and Notre Dame, Brian Kelly did say that they anticipated UVA trying to do some like multiple quarterback stuff with Keaton and maybe Armstead, whoever. And they felt like UVA got away from that game plan early when they saw how Notre Dame defended it. Um, now, I'm not in Robert and I's head, but he might be right about that. Um, and, you know, so maybe maybe Notre Dame just didn't give them a lot of looks that they liked. But um, it seemed to me like they were kind of determined to see what Jay could do throwing the ball, and it just didn't really work out. But um, I did see a lot of good things when I went back and looked at it as well. And I also like, just for the record, I do think the defense played a little bit better. Um, they've tackled a little bit better at times. Other times they had lapses. They did better on like short yardage stuff a lot of the time. Um, obviously they came up with two turnovers. Uh, the only thing I'll say is that I felt like Notre Dame went super vanilla once the game was like 21, nothing. And yeah. they didn't really have to defend a whole lot. Damon, you were of the, of the four of us, you were the closest to Brennan during his uh, brief time on the field. We had that um, nice exchange. You had the nice exchange because the ESPN cameras are following him, and he made a joke, and you guys shared a moment. Um, anyway, um, it's a lefty thing. Yeah, it's, it's what happens when you among you left haters. Um, I always forget. Yeah, I'm lefty too. That's right. I, I did not right. know that. That's right. And you would think that I was going to make a joke about uh, the other night about like how you would think that after years in the press box with Ferber that I would be used to left-handers. But every time, every time I bump elbows with Damon, I'm like, oh, that's right. You're you're left-handed. Anyway, I digress. So. You, you saw him up close. He, he obviously, you know, I don't think there was any doubt in his mind he wasn't playing that night when he came out there. Um, what do you think the likelihood is, you know, you've having having observed him up close and obviously having, you know, media day and stuff. If you had to put money on it, not that, you know, we're telling anybody to put money on it. Um, would you would you think he plays Saturday night in Pittsburgh or yes. is this going to be? Wow, that was fast. All right. No, no. I wanted to say. I want to reiterate: Do not put money on it based on what what, what I what I am about to say. But 
I don't know why, and maybe maybe I'm reading too much into it, but Dr. Bob was in a really good mood yesterday after practice. Like probably the best mood uh, I can uh, I can recall. From this is the most this is the most Dave thing you've ever said on by Twitter. The way. That that quote that Barbara posted on Twitter, the him, I laughed. I laughed out loud. Yeah, he was, he was like, "The trainers are here. The trainers are there." And sometimes they're over there and sometimes they're over here or something. And I was like, yeah, but I mean like perfect last week. Yeah. But I mean like contrast that to the way he was last week going into the Notre Dame game, when you bring up the name Brendan Armstrong and he's like, Bronco already answered that question. I'm not going to talk about that. Uh, also the then, coaches deferring to the trainer is hilarious. Cause we can't talk to them. Right. <laughs> yeah. That's Bronco's been going to that one a lot this year. That's a question for Kelly Pugh. That's a Tony. Right. That's a Tony Bennett thing. Let me just, yeah. Let me get her on the line. Let yeah, me call I'm just Ethan Slayball right now. Really quickly here. And uh, I'm sure she'd be more than happy to share all that data. Yeah. Uh, Bronco said you could tell me. Uh, <laughs> Bronco said to call you. <laughs> <laughs> Bronco gave me your number. <laughs> but no. But yeah. And I mean, I, I, I mean, that, that could be reading entirely too much into just doctor. Maybe the offense had a good day. Maybe Wolfick had a good day in practice that day yesterday. But maybe Jacob uh, Rodriguez had a good day. Yeah, maybe, mm-hmm. maybe, maybe things were really clicking. I don't know. Maybe my guy Jared Raymond really emerged. But, but uh, no, um, I, I, that's just I don't know. I we all know the competitor Brennan is. I think he took the field on Saturday before the Notre Dame game with with every intention of hoping he'd feel okay, and it just didn't work out that way. You could see it in his face. In that video I got, you could see how, no pun intended, but how gingerly he was throwing. He was clearly. Yeah, I was trying really hard not to use the word ginger that night. I was really trying hard, you know, but it's the perfect word. Like he clearly did not look comfortable. And I think a lot of it comes down to his comfort level. And I don't know. I don't know how much changes in a week. I've never had a rib injury that I can recall. Um and it's on his throwing side. So that obviously makes it that much more of a challenge. So, yeah, I mean, we all look, we all, and we're going to get into this in a minute, I'm sure, but we all know the stakes in this game. We all know uh, how much fun it could be to watch Brandon Armstrong against Kenny Pickett. Uh, and I'm sure he knows, he absolutely knows all of that stuff. He knows, knows it more than any of us. And knowing the competitor he is, he wants to be out there with a shot at a coastal division, uh, at least a share of it or playing for first place on Saturday, he doesn't want to miss that opportunity. So if, 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 if there's any chance he can play, he's going to play. I, I feel more optimistic this week than I did last week, but that's still not terribly opt- optimistic. My question would be, where's his threshold like if he's at eighty percent, is he good? Is he is he at ninety percent? He's it, it, can he play? Um, I don't know. We'll we'll find out, I guess, uh, on Saturday at Heinz Field. But I don't know. I, I'm and I'm cautiously a little bit more optimistic right now than a lot more optimistic than I was a week ago. But I still. I don't know. It's still only Wednesday when we're recording this, and and so we'll see. I kind of feel like that the stakes of the game probably are the one, the one thing that can make you do something you probably shouldn't do, right? Because, like you said, we all know the stakes, and no one knows that better than them, right? Like they fully understand. Um, I still think, as I, as we talked about last week, that if if he plays, is it going to be the Brennan Armstrong experience, or is it going to be? You know, he's 80, 85%, and they've got to fill in that other 15, right? And how they go about doing it and stuff. Um, before we talk about Pittsburgh proper, Dave, I guess I should I, I should probably go through and everybody and ask if you think he's going to play. I mean, it's the biggest story of the game, right? Um, and, I, God, how much does this suck that we have to have this conversation that he got hurt when he did, um, considering the season he's having? But... If you had to, if you had to put money on it, and again, we're not saying anybody should. Um, what, how how would you how would you handle that? I mean, 
it, it, I lean towards no. Um, just based on like, look, we haven't gotten any concrete information. You hear whispers, you hear rumors. Um, I, I'm going to lean towards no, just because I like. I don't know that one extra week, like if he wasn't healthy enough to go last week, um, I don't know. If, I don't know. I'm going to lean towards no because I think it's the safer bet, um, but I don't think it's out of the question. All right, Ferber, you finishes up on this. What do you think? Yeah, I would say I would definitely lean more no if the game was like some random game that didn't really matter that much. Like if UVA was like out of the coastal race, that would probably be like, what's the point? Um, I mean, it's, man, I really think it's like 50-50. For my own mental health, I'm just going to assume no until I see otherwise. Um, but I will say this, this is kind of an interesting thing because – you know, we were thinking like how pointless was the BYU game, you know, you go out there, you get shellacked in a non-conference game in the second half anyway. And then you lose your starting quarterback, you know, and you already had a big non-conference game coming up the next game. But if he somehow does come back and they do go two and O like with him, you know, and he plays well um, in a weird way, they got really lucky with the schedule falling the way it did having a non-conference game, then a buy, then a non-conference game before your two biggest games where it's like, you could lose those games and it doesn't really matter as much to your coastal division aspirations. Let's talk about Pittsburgh. Pretty, pretty dang good team. I mean, you know, we can talk about the Brendan Armstrong of it all, but the reality is, is that Pittsburgh pretty dang good. Um, Kenny Pickett is a hell of a quarterback, probably right now the the, you know, odds on favorite to win ACC player of the year. Um, you know, he's having a heck of a season. Um, certainly Pittsburgh is in a spot where, you know, um, if Virginia's offense is not up to what we've come to expect, um, I mean, I, you know, is Virginia even in the same conversation, right? Like Pittsburgh is not just a one trick pony. Um, you know, it's a team that, you know, Narduzzi I think has done a good job over the years Typically, the defenses have been better than the offenses. Uh, Pickett has been there like 17 years and clearly understands that offense. I don't understand. Personally, I don't understand the whole like run to the sideline to get the play thing. Like That just seems like a lot of wasted movement, but that's just me. Um, overall, Damon, as you look at this matchup, um, what stands out to you the most about the Panthers? Is it Pickett? Is it the fact that they play... Um, you, you know, a little bit, you know, not necessarily maybe full on complimentary football the way we think of it, but you know, it's, it's fairly close. I mean, I feel like they, their defense has had some moments, but overall, you know, it's a team that you, you can put some points up on, but like they do a lot of bend, but don't break kind of stuff. How do you, how would you sort of assess this Pittsburgh team? I think what scares me is the idea of if it's Wolfolk and not Armstrong on Saturday, uh, the fact that Pitt is like, one of the best defensive teams in the country in terms of getting pressure on opposing quarterbacks, because we saw how that, that was probably Wolfick's biggest shortcoming was kind of that, that internal clock just wasn't moving fast enough and he didn't get the ball off fast enough on Saturday against Notre Dame. And now you're putting him in there against a team that has like, uh, I forget how many sacks they have. I think it's 36. That sounds right. Uh, yeah. Something yeah. Like that. Yeah. But they're top three in the country in sacks. Um, so that, that to me, that to me frightens me from a UVA perspective. If, if it is Wolf, even if it's Armstrong, I mean, even if it's Armstrong and he takes a bad hit, who knows what that does to him and, and, and the pain threshold with the injury, um, that can become problematic, but so, but yeah, I mean, Pitt's been in its fair of, in its share of sh share of shootouts this year. And you'd, you'd like to believe that if Armstrong's healthy, UVA can, I don't know, keep pace. Maybe the defense, I, I, I have a weird sense that I don't, I'm not going to say the defense is going to go out and lock things down, but I have a weird sense. That they're going to play a little better. Um, they're going to have to obviously, regardless of who's a quarterback. Um, but their two worst performances have both come on the road. Uh, even at Louisville, they weren't very good, but Miami, they were good at the start of that game. Um, and that helped them build the early lead that they wound up holding on to. So, but yeah, the, the thing that concerns me the most about Pitt defensively is the trouble they can cause up front, uh, bringing pressure on the quarterback, uh, especially if it's Wolfick, whether it's, whether it's sacks, whether it's forcing him to make bad decisions. Um, that to me is, is a potential recipe for disaster. 
Yeah. Dave, as you look at Pittsburgh, what's what scares you? Well, they've got a healthy starting quarterback, so <laughs> envious of that. Um, but look, he's not I mean, very good, in, so it's yeah. fine. <laughs> I think in some ways, like I think in some ways, this Pitt team is more beatable by UVA than previous good Pitt teams because they're less physical. Um, they're still physical. Yeah, but that's they're true. Not, that's a good point. Yeah, they're not other, as yeah. like yeah. physical offensively. That yeah, one game yeah. down here in the they rain don't was just, a, was just yeah. ridiculous. When they Dan ran for Hall like a million just, yards. Yeah. <laughs> they were like oh, Notre dudes. Dame light, you know? Yeah. Like yeah. Basically what Notre Dame did to us, line up with two tight ends, just run it down your throat. Um, Pittsburgh doesn't have that. They're definitely – so anytime a team throws more, obviously more opportunities for for problems to arise. Um, and then defensively, like, they, they're they blitz happy, but in some ways they're like uh, even the 2019 Virginia defense, like – they cause havoc, but they give up big plays. Um, you know, they gave up like 29 points to Duke who can't, you know, you know, a couple of weeks ago and they gave up 44 to Western Michigan. You know, if they don't get home, they're, they're playing one-on-one and Virginia's got some pretty good receivers. So obviously if Brennan's a quarterback, like this could be an absolute like Phillip Rivers, Matt Schaub shootout kind of game. Um, it was very cold that day. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be a little chilly for this one too, but um like it, so I mean, Pitt's a really good team. I think, you know, if you're going to look for pluses of Virginia, like I said, I don't think they're quite as physical on offense. Their defense is, is kind of boomer bust. And then they can't really run no huddle um, because of what Brad mentioned about running to the sidelines. Like, the, you know, I think it was a Carolina game. Like, yeah. Even when they needed to go two yeah. minutes, they still had to run they kick couldn't. it over. Like, yeah. I don't like that. Sometimes dude, they gave get a two system. plays, but yeah. Get a so, system. My, my guess is like, they're they're smart coaches. They've seen what Virginia. Every team Virginia plays has figured out a way to run no huddle, except for Notre Dame, um, who actually no, they did. Sorry, um, they did for like they a did drive, for and then they were like, yeah. "I don't think we need to do this anymore." Yeah. I think we're alright. They're not going to score. <laughs> um, so I do expect Pitt to come to the line with two plays, you know, a couple times. But look, yeah, I, I don't think they're on. And they used running, to run. They used to run running. a product like when UVA went up there two years ago. They ran a regular no huddle offense. Yeah, yeah. Not, not this year for some reason. All right. In the scheme of things, Ferber, um, before we get to picks, um, I mean, I don't want to. I, I don't want to make it seem like, um, you know, that the that the thing can't be won if Brennan doesn't play. But it certainly seems like, you know, today's point about the matchup that like this is the perfect matchup for Brennan and this offensive line, right? Um, that he'll diagnose it and he'll have a lot of success as a lot of teams have. Um, having, you know, seen a game without him out there, um, is there, what, what beyond Brennan, right? What, what needs to happen in this game? Like what, what options does UVA have, especially defensively? Um, you know, I, I thought, you know, to your point earlier, I thought they, they, you know, and Bronco certainly made this point after the game. He thought that they made some more plays, that they were more competitive, that they were more consistent. Um, I was actually going to ask him, you know, uh, kind of a, yeah, kind of a pointed question about you know where the defense was, but he he clearly he was he was very you know he was very clear that he thought he saw progress. Did you see progress, Ferber? First of all, and then two, what 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 options do the Cavaliers have in terms of slowing Pitt down? I saw some. Um, I thought there was like a lot of competitiveness, like, and that's good to see. And and um, like I like I said earlier, it's hard to know whether UVA. Like the way they, they only gave up seven points in the second half. It's hard to kind of know like how much of their defensive improvement was Notre Dame just being vanilla and just being like they can't come back. And in, until they do, there's no reason to risk anything um, versus like UVA actually did just play better. Um, they forced turnovers, like I mentioned earlier, which is nice. Um, whenever you can do that, you know, that that helps a lot. Um, in this in this game particularly, it did take seven points off the board because Notre Dame was right down there by the goal line on the second turnover. So um, anything they can do in that regard on Saturday would be huge. But, yeah, I think Pitt's going to put a lot more pressure on them. And we'll probably, if I had to guess, see a UVA defense looks a lot more like what we've seen in other games. Um, but I think that, yeah, Damon hit it. I mean, like, if they're going to win the game, the defense probably has to play, and I know that they have two shutouts, they probably have to play their best game. Um, cause I think a shutout against Duke is probably worth what, like 21 against Pitt, like something like that. So I think that they're going to probably have to, the, the, the recipe to win this game, regardless of the quarterback 
Because even I, th- I think that's sort of getting lost in this is like, even if Brennan was 100% healthy, UVA would still be underdogs here. Like, it's not like I, I was thinking about, I was talking about this earlier with Dave. I was kind of like, I think, I think I, everyone, including me, is under the impression that if he trots out there for the first play, that they're fine. And it's like, well, you know, they still have a big uphill battle. And I think the defense has to do everything they can to maybe steal a possession, get some pressure. Um, I do actually think that the pit running game is worth mentioning because I think that they could use their past tendencies against UVA and run a lot of draws. Um, they're running back Abana Kanda, I believe his name is he he's really good um, as like a secondary option for them. And they have good receivers on the edge. Um, Pick can run around a little bit. So, I mean, I think that they present a lot of problems. They move the ball down the field really well. Um, they can hit big plays. UVA is going to have to be sound down the field and hope that, you know, Pitts is not sharp on those um, and then get pressure. You know, that's something that they've still could struggle to do. Um, and they're going to have to do that well. And then, you know, one of the things they did well at times this season was just kind of like red zone defense, try to try to hold teams to field goals, hold teams out of the end zone. Um, that's something that's probably going to come up huge in this game. And if you watch their game against Carolina last week, Pitt had jumped out, had a great start to the game. And then they kind of went into like a little bit of a rut. Um, and, and I'd have to go back and look at that game to figure out what exactly was going on, but they just didn't seem to be like in rhythm. Um, Pickett doesn't create, it doesn't turn the ball over much, but maybe if UVA can force a pick here or pick there, um, that can kind of keep them in the game. So I think I don't think Pitt's like unbeatable or anything, but I think at the same time UVA is probably going to have to play their best defensive game to win. Let's get to some picks. Uh, I'm going to guess that this is not probably going to go the way that it went. Uh, eh, no, let's see. Damon was the only one who had Virginia winning this thing in the preseason. Dave, we'll start with you. Preseason, you had it 21-18 Panthers. Um, <laughs> I'm going to guess you're going to put more points on the board, huh? After one quarter. That first quarter, yeah. <laughs> after one quarter. I'd be pretty play. happy after one quarter of that score, quite frankly. Um, are, we, are, are we doing uh, with Brendan and without Brendan predictions? Um, I, no, I, no, no. I think you I think you ride you, you ride with what you ride think my, is going to happen. My so. Well, if Brendan was playing, I'd have I had some scorigami. But um, I don't think Brendan's going to play, unfortunately. I'm just – maybe I'm leaning into it. So, I <laughs> like, like uh, Ferber is. But um, – Look, I, th- I still think Virginia can score on their defense. And, um, uh, you know, if if Jay has to play again, obviously he got some experience last week. Um, Dr. Bob kind of got some experience kind of seeing what he does well too. So I think they'll score. But, look, Pitts is going to score regardless who's playing quarterback. Um, so I've got I've got Virginia losing this one 41-27, to 27, um, which may or may not cover the spread depending on where it breaks by the time the game ends. By the time the game stop uh, starts, excuse me. Um, but yeah, I, I have a hard time seeing Virginia win it without Brennan. Um, if he was playing, I, I do. I would pick him to win like forty three to forty two, just for the record. All right, Ferber. Preseason, you had it twenty. Looks like twenty six twenty. Um, how you feeling now? Yeah, I'm gonna say that again because I was on mute. Um, I think it'll be, I think it'll be more points than that for sure. Um, at least for Pitt, UVA, like, I think there's a wide variety of outcomes here. I think there is the potential for it to get really ugly. Like if, if Wolfolk doesn't improve um, and, and like Damon mentioned, Pitt's pass rush gets after him and, and things just go sideways in a hurry. They could lose this game. Like, I don't know, 38 to seven or something. Like, I think that's possible. Um I'm not going to pick that, but, but I also think that Jay could improve. I mean, like if you go back and watch the Notre Dame game, UVA did move the ball a little bit better at times in the second half and, and cross midfield a few times. Um, and, you know, if he's sharp and, and they're getting the ball quick and maybe they take advantage of a few pit blitzes and then, you know, a, cu- a couple of plays break open, you know, you throw a 15 yard pass and Wicks takes it 50 yards or something. Um I think that they can kind of stay competitive without Brennan. It's, it's hard to pick the game to be super close though. Um, I can't imagine this pit team losing to a true freshman quarterback on the, at home, um, especially given how UVA's defense has played this year. If Brennan does play, I still think it's an uphill battle, um, but maybe he comes out and is healthier than we think and was really just kind of like not playing out of precaution. 
And and in that case, you know, UVA might be able to keep up with them. And even then, I still think it's an uphill battle. But I'm going to go with Pitt to win it. I think their offense comes out and, and puts UVA in a position where a true freshman quarterback has just too much on him to, to be able to do this. And Pitt can kind of get after him with the pass rush. So I'm going to go 35 to 17 Pitt in a game that maybe isn't even that close. Interesting. All right. Damon, in the preseason, you had UVA 24 20. Um, what, what are you feeling now? After one quarter. <laughs> uh, all right, so I, I'm going to roll the dice and say Brennan does play. I, I think the stakes uh, prompt him to at least give it a go, but I don't think he's going to be vintage Brennan Armstrong. Um, and as a result, I don't think UVA is going to be able to keep up. Uh, so I'm going to say 41-31, Pitt wins this one. Um I, I, yeah, I just, I don't think he'll be, I think it's unfortunate that we're going to be, even if he does play, we're going to be robbed of what would have been a whole lot of fun. Uh, what just like prior to the BYU game, the idea of these two teams and those two quarterbacks in kind of a shootout for the coastal division title would have been so much fun. And uh, it's, it's too bad that even if he does play, I don't know if he'll be healthy. Maybe he will be, I don't know. Maybe he was held out like Berber said as a, completely as a precaution last week, but it, 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 he was selling it if that's the case before the game. Uh, so, but yeah, long story short, I'm going to say 41 31 Pitt wins this one. UVA has a turnover in there that allows Pitt to, to kind of pat its lead and UVA is just not able to come back. And yeah, just uh, another coastal division title for Pitt. In the preseason, I had Pitt winning at 24 21. Um, again, make the first quarter joke. Um, I think Brennan plays. I think um, I, I think that you know Bronco is a very pragmatic person, and for him to say that that line about the you know hoping it's hour by hour, I, I think he would have said. There's a million things you could say other than what he said. Um, that I know I'm reading. You know I'm reading some tea leaves with a with a with a really powerful microscope here. So I think we're all sort of in agreement at this point that it's not one of the, I don't think it's because I've seen people speculate. I don't think it's a situation where they know he can't play. Correct. Like, yes, no, it's not I, like, it, I don't think they're lying to us. No, no, no I, I just, I, the reason legitimately I, I give him up. Yeah. I think they really, they really hope he can, but they have to, we, the only thing we don't know is like what percentage chance it is. Yeah. Right. And I think that's what I'm going off of. Right. Is like, I, I think if Bronco, I think if the chance for him not to play was great enough that five days later he actually doesn't play in this game with this stakes. I just don't think Bronco would have said what he said. Now that could be, you know, Bronco's an optimist and he thought, you know, um, you know, you know, he thought what he could play and then there's a setback. Fine. I'm just saying that like in that moment in time, I don't think Bronco says that if the kid wasn't extremely close to being able to play. Right. Like, I think he says that because he genuinely thinks that the kid is hour to hour. He said, Saturday night, you know, the earlier in the week it didn't look good, and then it got better as the week went on. Um, I, I, I don't know. Now, how close he is to 100%, you know, how much he's able to take in terms of pain and such, how good he is. I mean, there's also the piece of it that he has been throwing, right? Like, he, you know, he's in a groove for, you know, a whole season and basically then has to, you know, take this time. I mean, he hasn't been, you know, he's clearly not been throwing. So even if he plays, how close to normal is he? And if that um, velocity is off of the, the, he throws a lot of balls to like the second level. Yeah, he does. Like the, if the velocity isn't there, like those balls can definitely. So, be uh, you know, I, I, I tried to talk myself into much like Damon did, you know, okay, he plays, but then you can't, it's hard to get over the hump of like, well, is he going to be himself? Cause if he's not going to be himself, then the offense doesn't get the benefit. And we've seen what the offense looks like when he's not there. Right. Um, so I, I, I think he plays, but I, I'm like Damon. I, I don't know if I still don't think that's enough. Um, you know, I, I, I wish that the defense had been in a better spot, but I feel like Pitt's going to go through them, you know, like a hot knife through butter. Um, that's not to say Pitt can't make its own mistakes. They, they have definitely done that at times this year, had some, some head scratching moments, but realistically they tip, they tend to right the ship before it's all said and done. So give me the Panthers 31 to 24. Um, the only reason that they don't score that much is because I think they're going to run the ball a lot in that second half. Um, because I think they, you know, they're going to kind of follow the 
the Notre Dame blueprint. I think Notre Dame could have scored a lot more. Um, and, you know, credit to UVA's defense for making some stops. But ultimately, I, I think that the the injury just coming when it came, um, you know, it kind of it, – it, it was the – it was the worst time for for something that's you know for that like that to happen at that position. So, uh, I mean, it's tough. I mean, like I said, the kid the kid is a warrior, and if anybody can go out there and do it and lead the way, it's him. Um, I will be very happy to be wrong next week when we re- reconvene the show during Tech Week um, if if he plays and he plays well, uh, or and I guess he's more productive. And I think that is a good place as they say, to put a pin in it. I want to thank uh, everybody out there for continuing to support the show. If you are somebody who found the podcast through the website, thank you very much for giving us a listen. If you don't mind, you can look us up on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Overcast, or wherever it is that you get your programs. And if you're so inclined to give us a rating and review, we uh, appreciate that. Now, if you're somebody who's found the pod, but you haven't given, look at, given us a look at the website yet, you can check us out at CavsCorner.com. We've got lots of stuff up there, obviously. Um, <laughs> Damon's made jokes about the the Raymond story that's up. Uh, PFF grades are up there. Um, obviously some, uh, some stuff, you know, from the coordinators and going into this weekend's games, um, some stuff coming off of last week's matchup with, um, um, with Notre Dame and sort of the, the way it all looked and the way it all played out. Um, and then Damon caught up with, uh, the younger teal. I think we should just, we should just refer to him from now on as the younger teal. I don't know why I just like that a lot. Um, so anyway, yeah. So uh, lots of stuff to read, and uh, Damon, you are, are you hadn't told me if are you definitely are you going? You're not going. Yeah, I'm going up. All right, cool. So Damon will be on site. Uh, and I'll be on the sideline chatting it up with Brandon again. <laughs> Damon will be on the team bus. Um, that is by far the best away stadium in the ACC, and I don't think it's particularly close. Um, except the parking situation was a little weird the time I went. But anyway, I digress. Um, all right, you can visit myperfectfranchise.net for more information about how you can find your next venture and discover the perfect franchise for you my thanks to them for their support of the show and of the website and again i want to thank everybody out there for supporting the show i want to thank dave ferber and damon for giving graciously their time as always i appreciate that as well so for david spence justin ferber and damon dillman i'm brad franklin publisher of cascorner.com thanks for coming out we'll see you soon